That's Brother Eric Lawrence. Didn't he do a great job today? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful. What a blessed song. Amen. I pray Jesus shine down on us. Well, he needs to in this dark world that we live today. I want us to think about three different suppers tonight. There are seven or eight listed in the Bible, but I want to focus on three this morning. I'm thinking of tonight. I'm, my uh, my uh, educated kids in Dallas train their kids to say there's no such thing as supper. And when they come down here, I retrain them and let them know that it's not dinner, it's supper. Amen. It's the Lord's supper, not the Lord's dinner. Uh, but uh, we want to look, first of all, in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 14 is where we'll start with. And uh, I, let me just uh, add one more prayer there. I, I don't know how I missed it. It's my fault. But uh, Ms. Beulah Warner, we, we need to pray for her. I saw Brother Ed here a while ago. Man, uh, she is on hospice and in these last days, and, and he's taking care of her. And uh, Lift her up in prayer too, okay? And put her on the prayer list. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 16 through 23. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, well, let me get over here and read it for sure. <laughs> I'm fixing to read to you 1 Corinthians, and that probably won't work. We'll be there next. Uh, Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 16. And the Bible said, then he said unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come. So now he's already sent out an invitation, formal invitation. Everybody knows it's ahead of time. That's it's not a last minute thing. You come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent begin to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Now, I want you to note, I'm just, just saying, I'm just saying that the first guy prayed to be excused. The second guy prayed to be excused. The third one said, I married a wife, enough said. And, and just went right on. I mean, I mean, it's here, right here in the Bible. Okay, verse 21. We won't linger on that point. So that servant came and showed the, his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in here the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And servant said, Lord, it's done as thou commanded, yet there's room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now listen, this is very important. Verse 24, for I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the great music has led us right to your throne. I ask you, Lord Jesus, let your spirit Continue to have control of every thought, every word, every action in this service as we commemorate you and think of you, of what you have done, what you're doing, and what you shall do. Bless this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The first uh, supper that's mentioned here in Luke chapter 14 is a supper of invitation, an invitation to salvation. 
And that's so important there. That's the first Lord's Supper. It's an invitation of whosoever will, whosoever will. Listen, don't listen to this stuff that this one was chosen and this wasn't chosen. The Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary for everyone to have an opportunity to be saved. Hell is not full of people who God rejected. Hell is full of people who rejected God. And he gives the invitation here. He's painted a beautiful picture of what salvation is all about. He compares salvation to a great banquet. We need to understand uh, this this morning. When you come to Jesus, it's not a funeral, it's a feast. I mean, the greatest days of your life are not behind you. They're ahead of you. Uh, And the devil has done a good job convincing people if you come to Christ, then all the fun in your life is over with. There'll never be any more fun. He needs to hang around some of y'all. I could call you by name, I guarantee you. Uh, But the, the fun is not over with in the Christian life. It's just beginning. I was coming home from a funeral yesterday and I just jotted down some of the things that over the 50 years that people have said to me, why they don't come to be saved right now. And one of them is they think they'll have to give up too much. I'll just have to give up too much. And I'm thinking, oh my, you, you have no idea. You, you, we could do testimony after testimony of people here that thought you had to give up too much, but when you accepted Christ, you suddenly realized you had everything then. There wasn't anything to give up. He takes the things away that need to be taken away, but I want to tell you to tell you that your enjoyment in life is over with because you get saved is just a lie from the devil. There's nothing true about that whatsoever. Then I have people say, well, we're, we're afraid of what people are going to say. I work with some rough people, and I do too. I have a church staff here. I tell you, I work with some rough people here. And uh, uh, you never know what they're going to say. Well, listen to me. It doesn't matter what they say. None of that makes any difference. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe in Proverbs 29. I'm telling you this morning, long ago I learned to not do a lot of explanation because your friends don't need it and your enemies are not going to believe it anyway. So you just well as a go on with God. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, quit worrying about what your workers are going to say. Quit worrying about what your family's going to say. What you better start being concerned about is what you're going to say when you stand before God on that judgment day. And then a lot of people say they're just busy with other things. Everything's just busy. And listen, these are busy days we're living in. And, but I want to just remind you what verse 24 says. None of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. I want to tell you, it's best to put God first this morning. God needs to be everything. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. But seeking God is above all else. And then they tell me uh, there's just too many hypocrites. Too many hypocrites. I'm looking at a church full of hypocrites this morning. But I'll tell you one thing. I'd rather come to church with hypocrites than go to hell with hypocrites. I'll guarantee you that. Uh, I know there's hypocrites. But let me tell you, let me remind you of this. In Romans 14, every one of us shall give an account of himself before God. It's not going to matter what that person did or what this person did. You sit here this morning and say, well, I'm just as good as anybody else. You do it till you're blue in the face. When you stand before God, their name's not gonna be mentioned. It's gonna be your name. It's gonna be my name. We stand before God individually. Our mama ain't gonna be able to bail us out. Our grandparents, hallelujah, not gonna be able to bail us out. It's us and God standing before them. 
And, and then uh, a favorite thing is they're waiting for a feeling. Waiting for a feeling. Whew, I need to feel it. Well, I won't tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I do. But I want to tell you something. After you get saved, you're going to wake up some morning and you're not going to feel saved. But the Word of God is more important than what your feelings are. And the Word of God says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that He was raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is, have you done what God told you to do? This Word, we talk about this being the inerrant, holy Word of God, then let's believe it. It doesn't matter how you feel. I... Mm, I my first church I went to as a pastor. I've only been at two, the other one and this one. And uh, it, there was a little big church. They were about ready to close down. And, and uh, I, they just lingered on and on and on. And so I called the chairman of the deacons, a pulpit committee chairman. I said, uh, what, what, what are y'all going to do? Because I want to tell you something about ministry. When God shuts, when God opens the door to give you a new ministry, I'll be honest with you, your heart for the ministry you have just kind of shuts down. You're, you're in limbo. You're ready to move on with what God has. And I knew God wanted to do that. There were 17 of us there that first Sunday. And he said, well, we're waiting on a sign. Waiting on a sign. And I said, well, what kind of sign you want? I'll drive by your house, throw a stick of dynamite in the yard, <laughs> and that'll be your sign. Amen? You, listen, I, I quit waiting for the signs. I'm listening for the trumpet. I tell you what, it's done past the signs. We're ready to hear the trumpet. It's going to sound and we're out of here. And then I have people tell me they're afraid they can't hold out. If I get saved, I'm afraid I'll go back on it in two years from now or three years from now. I can't hold out. And you can't. You can't. There's nobody here that can hold out. But the Bible says in John 10, 27, my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice and they know my voice. And he said, he goes on to say that I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me is greater than all. And no man's able to pluck them out of my hand. Amen. You don't have to hold on, folk. Jesus is holding on to you. You're not going anywhere. You come to Jesus and you're signed, sealed, and delivered. Amen. And then I talk to people that think they've got plenty of time. Plenty of time. I was at a funeral yesterday with a pastor friend. He's my age, maybe a year older than me. I'm going to one this week of a pastor friend that's 42 years old. And we all had big plans what we're going to do the first week of December. Not a one of them thought they was going to die. Listen to me this morning. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the truth. I bury more people who die in their street clothes than those who die in their bed clothes. And you better be prepared to die. You don't know what's going to happen. You have no idea. You have no idea. And then the last one I think probably the devil has used more than any other one. And I think probably in the days ahead is going to be the biggest challenge that a church that loves God that's going to live by the word of God that's going to face. You say, is it immoral? No. I mean, you know, there's been immorality around since the beginning of time. There's, no, there's, there's been an immorality in our country since the beginning of our country.
You say, what is it? It's the devil's lie that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. As long as you're sincere. I want to tell you this morning, you can be sincerely wrong. The old real estate, some of you are in here in real estate. It's not, uh, it's not whether or not you're going to live eternally. You're going to live eternally. Let me give you the quote in real estate. Location, location, location. <laughs> You've got an option this morning to locate in heaven. But if you reject heaven, you're going to locate in hell. But listen, you're going to live eternally. I don't care where you go. Well, I care where you go, but I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. You're going to live eternally. That's what the Word of God says. And so you're either going to live eternally in heaven or you're going to live eternally in hell. It does matter what you believe. And I think in these days ahead that when we begin to really nail down this thing, that unless you come by the blood of Jesus Christ through the cross, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And I mean, it doesn't matter what anybody else says or what anybody else does. I'm telling you, Jesus is the only way. Let me give you this second uh, invitation for the supper. And that's the one we'll be dealing with today. The first Corinthians chapter 11 is where we are. It's referred to as the Lord's Supper. He said, I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night when he was in the upper room, he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is it done in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as you drink this uh, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. Now, it doesn't say how often to do it. If I've faced one criticism probably in this church the last 18 years, it's been, we don't do the Lord's Supper enough. How come we don't do the Lord's Supper every month? Where I come from, we do it every quarter. Where I come from, we do it every week. Where I come from, we do it as often as God lays on our heart to do it. I don't believe in having a Lord's Supper tacked on to the end of a service. I believe it becomes mechanical. I believe it becomes ritual. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, when I die, whoever the next pastor is, he can do what he wants to do. But as long as I'm here, we're going to pray and do the Lord's Supper. That's what we're going to do today. We're focusing on the Lord's Supper because it's a very important part of the ministry of God. It's one of the uh, things that's designated for the church to do, the Lord's Supper and for baptism here. Now, the scriptural instructions for the Lord's Supper. Let's just touch on that because he does uh, in verse 17 and uh, through verse 22, he said, I declare unto you, I praise you not. You come together not for the better, but for the worse. Now he's saying here, the first thing we need to do to get ready for the Lord's Supper is to eliminate, wipe out any attitudes that are disrupting the supper. Anything that's disrupting the supper. It doesn't matter what it is. Paul identified these to the Corinthian church. We need to identify those attitudes and actions that we indicate that we are out of fellowship with Christ, with one another. Listen to me this morning. I'm going to tell you the truth. If you're out of fellowship with another Christian, you're out of fellowship with God. Hmm. Put that in the pipe and smoke it. 
When you're out of fellowship with someone else that's a child of God, you're out of fellowship with God. Paul said, I, I want you to come together here at this table, and I want it to be a, a good thing. I want it to be an encouraging thing, but rather, it's worse. You're worse off by coming to the supper than you were if you didn't even come. Anything standing between you and God, anything standing between you and anybody else that's saved, now, I'm not telling you you're going to agree with everything. I'm not telling you that at all. We need to learn to disagree. Nothing wrong with disagreeing. But we don't have to be hateful about it. We don't have to be rude. I saw, in fact, I, I saw this week some pastor wrote, we're praying for all these Afghanistan Christians. Amen. We're going to stop and pray right now for them. But I wonder if you'd be all right if they all came to Longview. Ooh. Lord, we want to save them. We just don't want to save them here. Huh? Right now, in these next couple of days, there are going to be many, many men of God who are going to be killed in the next three days. They'd love to have their kids. They're, they're giving their kids over the fences. They know who they are. The Taliban does, and we know who they are. They've saved Christians. They're saved out of that. And they're not going to have a chance unless God just does a miracle. I'm praying the Lord to come, and we'll just forsake all this. And Afghanistan is not the only place where people are being killed. It, it's all over. I mean, it's all over. But those people are willing to give their life for the cause of Christ. I wonder, are we? Let's just pray right now. Father, I, I, I lift these Christians. They're our brothers. They're our sisters. They're part of the family of God. And Lord, if you can use us to save them, to help them, to create a new life for them. God, I, I pray we'd be willing to do whatever it takes to see a brother and sister not killed. But Lord, I'm thankful that they've got the courage and the boldness to stand and say, I'm not moving. I'm going to stand for Jesus. Lord, when they do stand and when you call them home, Lord, they're going to walk through that open door they're going to enter into the throne room and they're going to rejoice with other Christians. God, we need a miracle. I'd ask you to do one today. Lord, Afghanistan is just one thing on our heart. COVID is another. God, we've got people that are testing positive and Lord, it really doesn't matter who created this virus. It really doesn't matter any of that. It matters is what it is is what it is. We need you to intervene. We need you to stop this. God, help us as a church to stand together in unity. In Jesus' name, amen. We not only need to eliminate our attitudes and actions that are disrupting the service, we uh, need to follow the Lord's example of celebrating the service. Uh, Paul's account recalls the symbolic nature of the supper. 
There are denominations that believe that when you take of this bread, you're actually eating the very body of Christ. I'm telling you, you're not. There are others that believe that when you drink of this cup, you're actually, that cup turns to the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus died once and for all. And that is not what it is. This bread is a symbol of the broken body of Christ. This cup is a symbol of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Coming to this table is a serious, serious thing. Uh, we, we need to come to the table serious. I, I know that today is a different day, and I know my kids get tired of me talking about how it was when we grew up. But when we grew up, we came to the supper table, and everybody had their place. Didn't nobody move until we said grace. Now, if you got a Charlie in your family, you better not say pray, Charlie, until you're ready and set, okay? Because the minute you say pray, Charlie, he ain't worried about anybody else. He prays. The Mexican restaurants have killed us. They've compromised us. Because we feel like now we can eat chips and salsa before we pray. <laughs> Amen? Probably wouldn't hurt us to get back to the point that we don't do nothing until we pray. Amen? I'm, I'm talking about me now. I'm talking about me. Uh, it, it's a temptation. It's just bad. Uh, there were other things. Uh, I remember sometimes I didn't want to eat what was on the table. I'd say, I don't want to eat. My mom and daddy would dismiss me. They'd say, all right, you can be excused. I'd come back in thinking I was going to fix a grilled cheese sandwich. Your mama wasn't. Uh-uh. Here's your plate. You eat what we eat or you don't eat. Mm. Now, I wasn't a grandparent then, uh, you know. <laughs> I probably did that with our kids, but we didn't do it with our grandkids. We'll cook 15 meals, amen? <laughs> but we're here today for one meal, and it's a serious meal, very serious meal. And, uh, and then we examine our lives. He said in verse 27, Whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Well, you say, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to drink of it then because I'm unworthy. The fact you realize you're unworthy probably makes you worthy. All of us are unworthy, but we're worthy because of Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes us worthy. Now, if you've got unconfessed sin, he's talking about you here. So what are we going to do about it? I don't know. Well, why don't we read the next verse? It will tell us what to do. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. In other words, don't come up here this morning and say, I can't take of the Lord's Supper because I got something in my heart I just can't get rid of. No. He said, examine yourself and get rid of it and then eat and drink of this cup. It's not here to keep you from having the Lord's Supper. It's here to prepare you to take the Lord's Supper. Our church practices open communion. Some people like that. Some people don't. There are churches that practice closed communion. They believe that you ought to be, uh, uh, take the Lord's Supper in the same church you were baptized in. That's closed communion. Nobody else does it. We kind of believe here that the kingdom of God is bigger than Woodland Hills Baptist Church. 
uh, we believe if you got saved, you got saved, and you don't have to be a member of Woodland Hills to be part of the family of God. I'm not here to be your spiritual policeman. If you partake of this Lord's Supper unworthily, you'll stand for God on that. I'm here just to say, I'd love for you to partake of this supper with us. But you need to do it the way God said do it. So we've been invited to a supper of invitation, salvation, a supper of uh, commemoration, the Lord's Supper. One last supper and I'm through. It's a supper of celebration. It's found over in Revelation chapter 19, one verse Verse 7, actually it's the first seven verses, but verse 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, uh, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Wow, that wife is the bride of Christ. He hath made herself ready. Now that's the supper of jubilation. That's the supper of, of uh, celebration. When Jesus came down here, after he ascended and he came down, or he came back for the 40 days after he arose, he had our body. He had a human body. Amen? But when we go up there in Revelation 19, we get a glorified body. We shuck this human body and we get a glorified body. Now, here's, here's the thing if you have not listened to anything I'm telling you, please stop right here and listen. You don't have to take this supper to go to that third supper. You can bypass the Lord's Supper. We're doing this to remember Him. But now listen. If you bypass the first supper, you can't go to the third supper. If you bypass the supper of invitation to salvation... You can't go to the supper of celebration and jubilation. So I'm telling you this morning, what you need to do, if you're sitting here and you've never trusted Christ, you say, well, I, I'm going to think about it. I wouldn't think very long. I'd go ahead and do it. I mean, we're going to have an invitation time. We always do before this Lord's Supper. We're going to have an invitation time. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ. Listen, you've got to go to supper number one. You've got to be saved. And, and it's God's will you be saved. If you're here this morning, that's a good sign God hasn't given up on you. You can be saved. You need to make it public. It's, God doesn't have private disciples. It's public. You need to make it public. And then you can participate in the Lord's Supper. And then, bless God, you done got a reservation for the celebration supper. Now, that celebration supper, I, let me just point out, Handel's Messiah, uh, the hallelujah course and all comes out of this Revelation 19. There are four alleluias, and that word alleluia is a sophisticated word for hallelujah. Everybody knows what hallelujah is. I mean, people who are pagan that don't even know the Lord know hallelujah. They all say hallelujah. There's four things that we say hallelujah for. Number one, we say hallelujah for our salvation. This bread may not mean much to you today. And this cup may not mean much to you today, but when you're standing before God on that judgment day, you're going to praise God for a broken body that was shed for you. When you stand before God, you're going to thank the Lord in heaven for that blood that flowed freely on Calvary. 
then it's going to begin to mean something really big. Don't come to this supper now and say, well, it's a bread, it's a juice. No, this is representative of the body of Christ. Why he did it, I don't know. I don't know. He's just God. He's God. There's not a one of us in here worth redeeming like he did. So the hallelujah is the praise for salvation. And then there's a hallelujah praise for victory. How many of you know uh, that right now there's a lot of unrighteousness going on? And a lot of people are getting away with different things there. Uh, things are not just today. But there's going to come a day when justice is going to prevail. You just go ahead and smile and you just praise the Lord. Because that guy who thinks he's getting away with it is not gotten away with anything. So we praise God for the victory. We all have a victory in Christ. And then we, there's an hallelujah for the praise of worship in verses 4 and 5. We're going to learn how to really worship the Lord up there. These are saints of God. The hallelujah course is going to involve pure, unhindered worship of the Lord. I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but even when I want to worship God, when it's over with, I feel like I haven't worshipped Him like I need to worship Him. But boy, when we get to heaven, we're going to find what worship really is. And then the last hallelujah is a praise for his sovereignty, his sovereignty. The hallelujah course concludes with that, uh, uh, that, that says, uh, uh, a reign of the omnipotent Lord, reign of the omnipotent Lord. Now, let me tell you something. We think maybe things are out of control in this world, but God's sovereign. Everything's under his control. We don't know what's happening. I know what's happening. I just don't know the dates and the times. What's happening is this world is getting ready for a cataclysmic event. The trump's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise. Those of us who remain shall be caught up to meet him in the skies, and we'll be with him forevermore. Now, I just don't know when. Some of you, you don't believe that. Some of you think we're going through part of the tribulation. And there's nothing wrong with that. You'll probably be a better Christian than the rest of us who think we're going to escape it. I don't think that. I don't preach that. I believe that there's a rapture before. But that's not worth fighting over. You can believe whatever you want to. All of us believe Jesus is coming again. All of us believe that God is sovereign. God can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And there's going to come a day when God said, that's enough. That's enough. Go get my children. And we're going to be with him for all of eternity. The saddest thing in the world, the saddest thing in the world, is when you read in Luke where there's two in the field and one's gone and taken, one's left. Can you imagine a father coming home? His wife is nowhere around. The stove's still on. She's gone. Can you imagine what it's like in an airplane when a pilot gets taken out of that seat? How about, can you imagine Luke 281 in the rapture at 4th Street? Going to be a mess. Preacher, what can we do? You can accept the invitation of the Lord to be saved. And you miss that. You can come today and participate in this Lord's Supper by getting your heart right with God. And that it will reserve you in a seat in that 
final celebration, jubilation, banquet that we're going to. Father, you know every one of our hearts this morning. I ask you, Lord, that you would speak as only you can speak. Lord, I don't know anything about most of the people in this place today, but you know everything about us. God, would you speak to us? Would you show us what you'd have us to do? God, I just pray that your will would be done in every life that's in this place today. Don't let a one of us leave here until we've done business with you, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to ask you, these altars are open.